Greetings in the name of Yeshua. Tonight, uh, I want to touch on a very, very, very sensitive topic. Uh, because of the lockdowns and the, the various things that are happening through COVID, a number of people are being affected. Now, some time back, I wrote an article in regards to coping and dealing with life. And what is thought in the secular world is that coping and dealing are one and the same, and they're not. And when I studied it and did a research on it, I found that, that uh, quite a difference. And when we cope, what it comes down to is that we're learning how to be irresponsible. That we don't take any accountability for any action that we commit. But that's going to come into the into the uh, video. What I want to do at this point is I want to read you a scripture. And it comes from 1 Corinthians 14.33. For God is not the author of confusion, but of peace, as in all assemblies of the saints. Now, there's another piece of scripture that I want to read, and it comes from 1 Corinthians 14.40. Let all things be done decently and in order. So the call is for us to be responsible. And in our responsibility, we then have accountability. Now, in that accountability means that we deal with life as responsible individuals. We don't cope with them. I'd like to read you a definition of what coping is. Uh, give me a minute here, I just want to find it. Oh. When you analyze the word coping, you quickly find it is a learned method of passive submission. Allowing those using this technique to subjectively justify events or occurrences affecting their lives and surroundings, giving them a reason to accept into their being and ultimately their lives a method to function unchallenged, no matter what the outcome may hold for them personally and spiritually, even to the point of creating a battle in their minds as their lifestyle as acceptable or unacceptable. Now, this leads to the individual actually questioning the very foundation used to support their moral stance and beliefs. What ultimately becomes the standard for coping is not taking responsibility for any action, good or bad, because I can rationalize anything and everything in or around my being in comparison when you analyze dealing. You quickly Realize this is not a form of passivity, nor acceptance of rationalizations. Understand what I'm trying to say here. The world has fallen into a trap. And the trap is, is that we can rationalize and justify anything we want in our minds as being correct. As not having any sin. And the sad part of that is, is that it, it, it was, it's a foundation for the saying that truth will be seen as a lie and a lie will be seen as truth. And as we, we go through society today, 
we see people coping and we see that in action. All you have to do is look around you. Open up the TV. You hear it in all different forms. People justifying crime, justifying wrong, thinking and believing and saying that it is right. When in our minds we know that that's just a rationalization and it's not the truth, that it is wrong and it is a sin. It goes against the morality of the nation. But our morality has been eaten away by the teaching of coping. Because what we're teaching people, even from a young age forward, is how not to take responsibility or be accountable for their actions. And the sad part of that is, is today, when we're in the pandemic, we're seeing more and more people committing suicide because they can't deal with life. Coping is not an answer. Coping is a doorway to death. What I'm recognizing when I was praying today and asking the Lord to show me what it was that he wanted me to speak about today, the isolation that is happening to individuals today has slowed everybody down to a point where they're beginning to actually take the time to look at themselves, to look at their moral standards, to look at what their capabilities are, how they've been functioning. And in the past, they've been so busy, they haven't had time to do that. They haven't had time to see the things that are wrong in their lives. They haven't had time to recognize and understand that some of the things that they're doing are out of sorts. Some of the things that they're believing is not truth. It's a lie. It's easy to fall into a delusion. It's easy to accept the lies that keep you in that delusion. I wrote a letter in regards to Christmas. Some of the responses that I got back from people, my heart sunk. Even though they had the truth in front of them, even though they, had the tr they knew it was the truth, they said they were gonna continue doing what they were doing in the past. Because in their minds, it's the right thing to do. And that saddened me to the point where I started to realize that there are many people out there who are claiming to walk with the Lord. And what they're really actually doing is just coping with him. In their hearts, they know the truth, but don't want to take the responsibility or the accountability of it because they don't want to turn their sin over because they're too pleasurable with it. And that's sad. It really is. When we take the profession of bringing Christ into our life, we turn all our sins over to him and ask him and plead with him to forgive our sin, all our sins. That's what it means to be born again. It means that I want to be accountable. I want to turn them over to you, Lord. I want you to take them from me and cleanse me. Bring me a new life, a new start. Take all of their unrational things away from me. Make me a new person. And recognize that the enemy is going to try and stop you. He'll bring all of those wonderful, wonderful worldly thoughts back into your mind. 
and that's when you need to fight them. But if you don't have the tools, you can't. If you haven't been taught how to be responsible and accountable for your actions, it becomes very difficult to say, I was in error and I need to correct myself. If I learn to deal, and in dealing, I take responsibility and I become accountable for the things that I do, I say, my actions, like them or not. And some of the things that we do don't always smell pretty. They don't always look pretty. But we need to accept them that those were our actions and we have to be accountable for those actions that we put out there and recognize that in doing so, we come to a conclusion with it. And in that conclusion, we know that there is forgiveness. We know that there is an accountability telling us to learn, learn by that mistake. Don't repeat it. Know and recognize it was wrong. In the human words, it was wrong and don't do it again. In spirituality, it's a sin that's punishable. Understand that we need to stand forward and say, I did it. And ask the Lord to forgive us. Even if you're a born-again walking individual, we're going to stumble. We're going to commit. We're going to make errors. We're human. It's not an excuse. But it's a recognition that as a human being, I'm going to make unrational uh, thoughts. I'm going to have un uh, make unrational decisions based on those unrational thoughts. And in the end, I'm going to recognize that I erred. I erred in the sense of what it was that I did. I didn't think it through. I made a choice and a decision based on what I believed felt really good. Here comes our emotions now. That's our soul speaking, mind, will, and emotions. When I pray, I pray that the Lord brings all kinds of discernment to the, to the fellowship and to, to believers. And the reason I do that is because when we have discernment, it strengthens our ability to deal with life. It strengthens our ability to be honest with ourselves. I tell you, and try this if you if you don't believe me try this look in the mirror and tell yourself a truth about yourself that you maybe told a short little fib or a lie and recognize that what you're looking at who's looking back at you remember the lord is in you and you're in him who's looking back at you Who's looking at you saying, hmm, what are you going to do about it? What are you going to do about it? Are you going to rationalize it? Set it aside? Or are you going to accept the fact that maybe you did tell a fib and that you need to be responsible and accountable for it and ask for, for forgiveness? Get rid of it. Get it out of your life. That's why we live under grace. Grace gives doesn't give us the right to sin, but it certainly, if we do, we can, if we're taking accountability, be forgiven for it and have it cleaned and rinsed and, and wiped away from us. It's called repentance. 
And if we have a repentant heart, we can go before the Lord if we have committed a sin, and we most likely will as a human being. And if we have committed a sin, we then come to him and confess it to him and say, look, Lord, I'm going to be responsible. I did it. I did it. I need your help. I don't want to repeat it. I need to be forgiven for that sin. Now, recognize the accountability is in the fact that you're saying to the Lord, I'm not going to do it again. That means you have to be accountable for your actions that are in the future. If that thought comes back into your mind and you're considering it, you have to stop and think, whoa, wait a minute here. <clears throat> the Lord forgave me for this once. And I promised him that I wouldn't, I wouldn't go there again. That's dealing. Not coping. That's dealing. Coping, I would stand in front of the mirror and go, well, John made me. A, and, and I was involved in a crowd and I did what I was just following the crowd and I did what the crowd was doing. So really, I wasn't, you know, I, I wasn't thinking, but at the same time, I didn't do anything wrong. Sound familiar? How many times in a day do you do that to yourself? How many times in a day do you have a thought and then all of a sudden you're you're in battle in your mind saying, well, you know, I shouldn't be doing this, but I'll go ahead and do it. Nobody's going to know. I'm just going to be the one to know. And of course, yes, you're right. You do. You're the only one. No, you're not. You think you are, but you're not. So when you come to the point of recognizing that you're not, that's when you need to deal with it. You need to put it on your plate, put it in front of the Lord and say, Lord, forgive me. I will not, re I will not repeat this mistake. I will not repeat this sin. Getting back to the, to the thought process that there are a number of people who are committing suicide because they're in a situation where they don't see any answers. When you're coping with life, you rationalize and you have justified in your mind those rationalizations as being truth, as being an answer. And when it comes down to the nitty gritties, they come up against the wall. And of course, now it looks like there is no hope. See, the difference between coping and dealing is that when you're coping, you have no hope. When you're dealing, that's all you have is hope. Understand that the difference between the two. If I'm being if I'm dealing and I'm being accountable and responsible for my actions, what I'm creating is hope. Hope. Understand how powerful that is. When I see hope at the end of the tunnel, I recognize, yeah, I'm going to have to face the music. I'm going to have to be, you know, I'm going to have to take the punishment and I'm going to I have to deal with it and recognize it and accept it. But at the end of the tunnel, there's hope. Hope that I will do the things that I say I'm going to do. Hope that there's a future for me. And that's what's happening to a lot of people today, is that they've lost their hope. They see no, no future or a restricted future or a future with a whole lot of turmoil in it. Folks, what I'm trying to say is that there is hope. Give up your method of coping. Learn how to deal. Dealing is putting a situation on your plate before the Lord, asking him to forgive you. Telling him that you're the one that committed it, that's your accountability, 
and that you're the one that needs help that's taking responsibility. Help in the form of forgiveness and teaching and recognizing that you move forward in that teaching and you don't commit that sin or that, that error. You don't do it again. It's easy. You know, I did a, I did a video on uh, pleasurable sin. And I used that, I connected it to the two, the, to two articles that I wrote in regards to the holiday season that's coming up, Christmas, and it's, it's falsities, all of the fables and all of the worldly traditions that are, that are involved in, this, in that holiday. Now it's been around for decades and people say, well, how can I walk away from it? How can I, like, what do I tell my children? Tell them the truth. Don't lie to them. Don't tell them that the jolly old elf that's going to bring gifts. Tell them the truth. That our Lord was born and came into the world for us to celebrate that every day. 365 days a year. Not just one day. Not to glorify our actions in one day for 364 days before. If you recognize that if we celebrate his birth every day, that brings strength to the salvation that we accepted and it offers it as a gift to others on a daily basis. Somebody said to me, well, you're a spoiled sport. You hate Christmas. That has nothing to do with me hating Christmas. I'm not a spoiled sport. I'm a, a watchman. And the truth was brought to me, and I put that truth out there. The truth is that it's a pagan holiday, and it's filled with pagan traditions and customs. It's filled with the very first lie, and I showed a picture of Mary with the baby and the shepherds around her, and that's it. There were no three kings. The three kings didn't come into the Lord's life until he was almost two years old. The three kings were not led to Bethlehem, they were led to Jerusalem. That's all in the scriptures. Matthew 2.1 And they were led to Bethlehem. Matthew 2.12 And they found him in a house in Bethlehem, in Jerusalem. And they knew that, that Herod was, was a wicked person and they were told to go in a different direction, which they did. And if you want further proof, Herod then ordered, because he realized that, they, that the wise men were not gonna come back to him and let him know about the baby where he was, ordered all of the babies from two years down to be murdered. That's the truth. That's paganism. Understand, our Lord isn't reborn every year. Our Lord rose from the dead, was ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God, the Father. He's alive. And he continues to minister and deal, deal 
with his children on a level far superior to anything we want to admit to. As he was ascending, he gifted us with the Holy Spirit, who was to minister to us, teach us, comfort us, lead us, and keep us under, under, under his protection. Brothers and sisters, please understand a commitment that you make in accepting salvation is that you're going to deal with life, not cope. You're going to deal with life in the sense that it brings you what may stink to high heaven as far as your actions are concerned. But you're going to accept those things and you're going to work with them and you're going to bring them before the Lord and ask him to forgive you and cleanse you of them. This holiday that's coming up is not for Christian people. It's, a, it's been disguised as such, and it came through Constantinople in 336. And it, it was a flip of the Roman pagan holiday. All they did was change the names and change the person that you're worshiping. The God that is being reborn every year is Saturn. The name of the, of the, of the actual name for this festival is Saturnalia. And if you go back and you check it, take the time, put it in your computer, look up the word Saturnalia, you begin to understand just how wicked it really is. Saturn is a God that requires sacrifice of babies. My connection to it, when I was studying it, I grieved for a week afterwards because I realized their abortions are tied into this throughout the year. Those are his babies, those are the human sacrifice, the baby sacrifices are the abortions done under lies. It's your body. You have the right to do what you want with it. I wrote an article, or uh, actually it was, it was called a bit of a tidbit. Our human bodies were not built for pleasure. They were built for pre-creation, not for pleasure. Understand a lot of the sin that's created in our lives comes as a result of lust. Succumbing to the whims of the, of the flesh, coming whims of our body. They're pleasurable and we want the more of it. It's like a, uh, I don't know, it's a favorite drink or a favorite action, whatever. It's still sin. I've been called a Bible thumper. Yeah, maybe I am. But you know what? My faith is strong. And because my faith is strong, I see things that other people are not seeing. And I'm trying to bring it forward for people to recognize it's in their life and they need to deal with it. 
the need to put it on their plate and bring it before the Lord. Set it before the throne and ask the Lord to forgive them for it. One minute a day, it comes back to that. One minute a day will change your life. It's a commitment. No less than the commitment I made when I married my wife. And I made a vow to her in front of the Lord and to the Lord that I was going to care for her and that I would be there for her when she needed me. And that it, whether it was in sickness or in health or whatever, I will be there for her. The vow that I made to the Lord when I came into my walk and when I took this mantle on, before I took the mantle on, you have to understand that I spent six months in prayer and meditation, denying myself, saying, no, there's too much responsibility. I'm not good enough for it. Recognize people are not going to enjoy having you around. They're not going to enjoy some of the things that you're saying because you're bringing truth to them. I had one gentleman write me a letter and say to me, uh, an email, and he said to me, why are you doing what you're doing? Nobody's listening to you. Nobody wants to hear what you have to say. My response to him, if there's just one person that hears what I have to say and it changes their heart, then I've accomplished what the Lord has asked me to do. I'm not in this for a numbers game. I've had another another individual came to me and said, and this is when I was first starting, well, you've only got six people following you. He's like, you, you, you can't call that a ministry. What kind of ministry is that? And I said, you know, it takes time to build trust. It takes time for people to understand that what you're telling them is the truth. It takes time for them to believe that in that truth, they're better off. And it takes time once they do recognize the truth, and once they do understand that they are better off with that truth, they will then follow you. I've shown many pictures at the end of some of my articles of a little boy with a number of little ducklings walking behind him. That's a symbol of what's in my heart. I got my hands in my pocket and I'm going forward with my head down and I've got five little or six little ducklings behind me. Because I've told the truth. Because they see me as their leader. I'm not here looking for accolades. I'm trying to be as humble as I possibly can. I'm trying to put the truth before you so that you deal with life. Life is not an easy walk. Like I said, we're not going to tiptoe to the tulips going to heaven. Nobody takes you and drags you there. The choices and decisions that you make depend and create the level of, what's the word I'm looking for here, turmoil that's going to come at you. The stronger your faith, the deeper your walk, the more, the closer your relationship to Yeshua, the harder the enemy is going to come against you. Don't be afraid. Deal with it. Put it before the Lord. 
If you're feeling weak, go before the Lord. Say to him, Lord, I feel weak about this. I need your help. I need you to strengthen me. I need you to, to give me some answers so that I have the tools and the words and I have my sword is sharpened enough that I can cut those cords. We're in a war. We're in a battle. Hone your tools, especially these days. Times are going to be really, really hard. What comes to mind was he was saying, the Lord, I can't, I, I'm not, I don't have the scriptures to quote, but what in my mind is this, is that there's times ahead so harsh that he has to shorten the days for us. So harsh against those who are walking with him that he has to shorten the days. Understand what he's saying there. He's telling us right up front. He's telling us, look, if you're walking with me, things are going to get really, really tough. And understand, you can't, like if you're with the Lord, you can't hide it because your light is shining out. And when you're in the dark, your light is bright. And when you walk out into the world, your light is so bright, people are, 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 will, will, are repelled because they don't want to see it. Or they'll attack you verbally, one way or another. Or just ignore you, or give you a dirty look, or, or you know, they, the world is full of people that don't want the truth. Anyways, my wife went out today. She hasn't been out for a while, but she went out today, and she was spending some time in the world. She come home, and she says, I don't like it out there. I don't like it out there anymore. It's not a safe place. And she felt it. She felt the evil. She felt, she saw the confusion. She saw the fear in people. It isn't a nice place. We only go out and do the things we need to do if we're working. And because we're so busy, we don't see it. We don't see the evil that surrounds us. What's happening in the world today, because we have been confined to our homes, because we're not out in the world fellowshipping and busy and, and having things that distract us, we're seeing the true part of what evil is. And it's scaring people. Deal with it. Come to the Lord. Come to the Lord. Psalm 91, 9 to 16 is your answer. That's where you learn how to deal with life today. On that, I'm going to close with a short prayer. Hang on a second. Actually, it's not very short. It's a prayer. I believe it's a, it's a hearty prayer, and I want to bring it forward. It's part of the article that I wrote. And what I want to say to the world right now. Heavenly Father, as humble children eager to learn, we bow before your throne, pledging our spirit to you, Father, as a servant. We call on you, Lord, to fill us with discernment so we may use the courage and integrity you have brought us 
as the rock we stand on receiving the truth. We plead for strength to continue facing the truth about ourselves as we face our faults and shortcomings. Bring a wave of peace to our soul that we may go forward through all the turmoil facing our walk. Lift us up, Father, to see your glorious light shining through the darkness surrounding our world and lives. Lift the darkness from around us so we will know your presence at all times. Give us a de dedicated spirit to recognize and help those who have fallen into the deception of emptiness and depression. Brighten our light so it might shine through all darkness, sharpen our wisdom, that we may cut all the cords imprisoning your fallen children in depression and the fear of loneliness. Bring to us the spirit of kin kinsmanship that we might lay down our lives for those lost and deceived. This we pray in Yeshua's name. Amen and amen. Go forward in strength and wisdom, people.